Welcome to SoundPrint's Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. SoundPrint is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is SoundPrint's for the week of December 6, 2020. From the KSB alumni, share KSB Christmas memories. Remember how much fun Christmases at the Kentucky School for the Blind were? Music, parties, friends, food, Santa, and presents. Share your KSB Christmas memories on our alumni holiday Zoom call on Sunday, December 20 from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Call from your cell phone, computer, or even your landline. The call will also be live streamed on the RadioStorm.com KSB Graduates Michael and Angie McCarty's Internet Radio Station. Zoom and broadcast details will be posted on the Alumni Facebook group page a few days before the call. What's been happening in the alumni? Senior recognitions. Even though we couldn't have a reunion due to the coronavirus, the alumni has had a busy year. We provided graduation gifts to all nine seniors in the 2020 class. Each senior received a KSB alumni backpack with some very exciting gifts inside. The total value of each gift was about $150. The project received rave reviews from students and staff, and the alumni board plans to continue the project in 2021. We weren't all together in the same room, but the KSB alumni and friends were united in remembering those students, staff, alumni, and friends who passed away since the 2019 reunion. We held a virtual memorial service in July, thanks to Deb Cook-Lewis of Washington State, who hosted our Zoom room, and Michael and Angie McCarty, who streamed the event on the RadioStorm.com. What was planned to be a two-hour event became three, and nearly 60 people nationwide participated on their phones and other internet. What a wonderful way to touch lives and bring us together during these unusual times. Our History Project. It is moving forward in a new and exciting way. Thanks to support from the Kentucky School for the Blind Charitable Foundation and the American Printing House for the Blind Museum, significant steps have been taken in organizing Braille and print materials, memorabilia, and thousands of pictures that have been donated and collected over the years. The collection will find a new home in the APH Museum, where it will be cataloged, preserved, and made more accessible to those wishing to delve into the history of KSB and the Blind and Visually Impaired of Kentucky. We even have a limited number of print yearbooks that are now available, and you can get more details in just a minute. Looking ahead, planning has begun for the 75th KSB Alumni Reunion, and we need your support to make this an exciting event. We plan to provide graduation gifts for 11 seniors in the class of 2021. We need to purchase an unusually large number of 25- and 50-year alumni recognition pins required for the 2021 reunion, and we will continue to move forward with our history project. You can help by making a donation to the alumni this holiday season. Contribute to the Senior Project, the Alumni Pen Project, the History Program, or the 75th Reunion. Honor a special someone by placing their name on our memorial plaque or by contributing in their name. And remember, if your gift is $25 or more, you may choose to receive a KSB yearbook as long as supplies last. 
Yearbooks are available for the 1976, 78, 79, 1980, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 90, 91, 92, 94, and 95, and 96 school years. For more information, contact Carla Rushevel, Alumni Treasurer, by calling 502-897-1472. There's been a new announcement concerning the 2021 Virtual ACB Convention, and ACB Convention Coordinator Janet Dickelman from St. Paul, Minnesota, visits with us on page 2 to give us a sneak peek at all of the exciting things coming up next year. And on page 3, Listen to the opening of the 2020 KCB Virtual Conference and Convention. You'll hear a welcome from Governor Andy Bashir and an address from ACB President Dan Spoon of Orlando, Florida. We hope you enjoy this week's sound prints, and we look forward to visiting with you again next week. Page 2. On sound prints with us this week is Janet Dickelman, the Convention Coordinator for the American Council of the Blind. She's in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I'll bet it's colder there than it is here. Uh, but she's going to be talking about a time when it's going to be very warm. And, of course, that is the Summer Convention in 2021. We already know it's going to be virtual, but there are some, some updates that have happened this week. And there's already some schedule that's been posted. Things are well underway for this convention. So, Janet, welcome to Soundprints. We are just so excited about all of the plans that are already underway and that are coming up in the in the next few months to make this an outstanding national convention. Thank you so much for having me. And I want you to know that it's going to be 39 degrees here today. I believe it was, it was 22 when I got up this morning. Oh, my goodness. So, Heat wave, heat wave in St. Paul. No, no. Right. We don't even have any snow on the ground right now. Oh, well, now that's good. That's really Although we good. had 10 inches in October, so, you know. No. Anyway. Well, we haven't I, had any yet, so that's good. Yes, I want to talk about convention. I, my favorite thing to talk about, and I always love coming on sound prints. So let's, the breaking, breaking news is that the convention is moving forward a week in July. Because as we were talking, we realized that the Olympics are beginning on July 23rd, which was our opening day of our convention also. And we know that many people love watching the Olympics, especially now that they're doing them in evening primetime and audio description. So we didn't want to have to conflict with the Olympics, so we decided to move back a week, so we will begin on July 16th. So convention dates will be Friday, July 16th through Friday, July 23rd. So, and yes, even though we won't be in Phoenix and we'll be virtual, virtual, yes, it will, will be hot, especially in uh, my office on the second floor of my house. It's always hot during convention time. And we do have quite a few things that have already been put into our schedule. One of the most exciting things this year is ACB Radio is going to give us five ACB Radio streams so that at any given time we can have five sessions that will be streamed on ACB Radio. So you can listen to them on your A-Lady, you can listen to them on your stream, you can listen to them 
on your computer. You can listen to them via phone. So this is going to open up a lot more session times for our affiliates and committees and business partners and a lot more for you to listen to. We're hoping that almost every session will be streamed on ACB Radio. The ever popular, returning again for 2021, the Audio Described Tour Channel will have new and exciting tours. I don't know what we're going to have yet, so I'm not keeping them from you yet, but that will be determined down the road. And we will have our exhibitor channel, as we did last year. And what we're hoping to do with the exhibitors is have some re- pre-recorded sessions as we did and also have more Zoom room availability. Let the, ha- ask exib- exhibitors to um, have Zoom room availability for people to have contact with the exhibitors during the convention. And we're also adding in, during the convention survey, people were asked, saying they really missed getting together and talking with each other. So we're going to have a Zoom hospitality room. And the plan is to have that open for people to just come in and chat and We'll try to get each of the board members and other people from within ACB to take a turn being in the Zoom room so you can interact with them. So that's going to be a cool addition to the convention. We are having our opening general session, as we did last year, on Sunday evening. So that would be Sunday, July 18th. Friday and Saturday will be all day and into the evening sessions for people uh, to hold. We are looking at, I'm hoping that Friends in Art will do their showcase Friday evening as they did last year, so that would be on the 16th. We're going to come up with something fun for Saturday evening the 17th. We haven't quite come up with that yet. We are moving the banquet to Thursday, so that would be Thursday, July 22nd. And then Friday evening for our big finale, we'll do something in conjunction with Olympics, some kind of Olympic watching activity and try to get speakers and um, talking about audio description and the Olympics. So that'll be our finale on Friday the 23rd. It would be fun to have some people that uh, maybe had either participated in the Olympics. We've, or the- we've talked about that. And maybe some people that have gone to the Olympics just as uh, as spectators. Just as, That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah I hadn't okay. thought about that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that but would be fun too to tell us about. Since we what since we just decided this last week, we haven't. We're really not. We're, we're oh, just yeah. in the planning stages for this our oh, Olympic so, finale. Yeah, but yes, that'll great. that'll be fun. That'll be really good. Mm-hmm. In the evenings, we will have ACB activities as we did. If for 2020, we will have our auction Tuesday evening, and then we will have something each of the other evenings that is ACB related. I'm assuming, I believe, we'll have a evening segment on audio description. I'm thinking we will have an evening session on um, advocacy, um, but that those are all still being determined at this point. Um, we do have several of our affiliates and committees have already come up with some ideas for what they want to do for their programming. Um, Environmental Access Committee and Transportation Committee are going to work together again in 2021. And for our 2021 convention, they're going to focus on pedestrian safety, which is such an important 
topic. And I really like this also. Um, the government employees and the attorneys groups are going to work on a joint session about legal issues surrounding employment. So that could be a really exciting session. Our Braille Revival League is going to do a segment on e-readers, and they're also going to do a session on Braille graphics. So that's going to be... um, ACB Women will do their yoga, as they've always done, and they're doing their sister power. Um, was a breakfast, of course, in the day, but this year for our virtual convention, it's going to be sister power happy hour. So they'll do that later in the afternoon. I like mm-hmm. that name. Um, mm-hmm. Our Rehab Issues Task Force is going to do some type of a panel with state rehab commissioners. And they're hoping that being that we're in the virtual arena, they can get several states involved and uh, talk just talk about what they're doing and how we can support them and how they can support us. International Relations will have their voices from around the world. And I don't know if any of you caught it last in 2020, but we had international guests from several different countries who were, were live via Zoom. And that was, you know, really something special, and I'm sure they'll do something like that again this year. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot of things already in the works and much, much more to come. I just, I don't know what their topics are going to be, but I just heard from the diabetics, and they want several sessions for programming, and I know that Viva Visually Impaired Veterans is going to, they're trying to really work hard to get some additional members for Viva, and have a presence at our convention in 2021. It just sounds so exciting, and it's going to be so much fun. You know, last year at this time, we weren't even thinking about a virtual No, we had no inkling of a virtual convention, so this year we We have so much more time to plan. Right, we didn't know we were going to have a virus. That's correct. Right. Last year, we were thinking it was going to be an in-person convention just Mm -hmm. as usual, and now... Here we are. We've we've had a very successful virtual convention already, and we're planning for a bigger presence. And, you know, Janet, I also like the talk that's happening seriously looking ahead into the future about the hybrid convention. Yes. So many people have been saying that they hope that happens, and a, and a it lot will. Of we, yes, it, it are talking it's about how, how to do this with a virtual and in person component, with virtual yes. and in person components. Yes. So we will make it. We will make it happen. I mean, ACB is nothing if not resilient. That's for sure. Right, right, and and just also don't know how many people listening it would affect, but you you never know when a person is going to have. Um, an opportunity to talk with someone about sponsorships. And um, did I understand the other day that the sponsorship forms are already up online? And They are. They are. They're on acbconvention.org if you'd like to be a sponsor. We'll be getting the exhibit hall information up there shortly after the first of the year. We're just working on a couple of other things to make our exhibit hall even better than before. And Janet, I, I really, I really hope that with our exhibit hall, 
uh, I think it can be bigger and, and just really bigger this year. Yeah. And I'm hoping that the state conventions having exhibitors maybe will help to encourage some of the smaller exhibitors, mm-hmm. uh, the blind people that have small businesses. I'm hoping that will encourage them to participate as well. And, you know, that could that could pose a few problems um, as maybe some of the bigger companies also realize that this is a very good potential way to advertise. They're going to need to do that because they're not going to have a convention this summer to bring things. And um, I, I think that the exhibit hall could grow just exponentially. And that could that could pose a few planning problems, but yep. somehow it could, that will it, it could, it will, but we'll work it out. Yeah, and yeah. it really is fun watching the state conventions. And our ACB of Minnesota is having our state convention January twenty second through twenty fourth. I just want to get a little plug in for well, that. Thank you, you very much, Sound Prince people. Go, yeah, and, and you, you don't have, have to live in Minnesota, and you don't have to get cold. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm. I'm excited because I've had a couple, as Carla was saying, a couple blind groups from other states have reached out to me and said, hey, can we be a vendor at your convention? And I'm saying, of course. So At the Kentucky the Convention, areas. Janet, we, we had 17 exhibits. And of those 17 exhibits, the huge percentage of those were out of state. I mean, we out had exhibitors from all over the country, and you have to do a few things to make sure they get some additional visibility or whatever and that you encourage people. Groups have been doing it different ways, but, um, I mean, the the excitement of those individuals, uh, most of them were not from Kentucky, and we could have never done that in person. You You had two of my Minnesota people. Yes, we did. We had yes. two, uh, also, I think, from, yes, two from Nevada. Who would have thought, you know? Yeah, really. At a state convention. And all of these people were small business owners who were blind or visually impaired. Yeah. It was, it well, was a great opportunity. I, I need to, I need to catch up then because I only have 13 exhibitors thus far. So I've got four more to go to beat, <laughs> five more to go to beat Kentucky. <laughs> yep, you do. Before Carla cuts me off here, let me give out my usual information about staying in touch for the convention. If you're not on the convention email list, please send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe at acblists.org and I will get you subscribed to the list. And at this time of year, it's not very busy. It gets a little busier as we get closer to the convention, but I send out a lot of information about what's going on. We just figured out a date for convention registration, and that will open on May 26th. So you can get registered for the convention um, at that point. But, yes, if you're not on the email list, please subscribe to it. If you have any other questions, feel free to send me an email at janet.dickelman, D-I-C-K-E-L-M-A-N, at gmail.com, or you can always call me at 651-428-5059 with any convention questions. Well, thank you, Janet. We'll be you are you very welcome, really and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone. 
page three. We will go then. My old Kentucky home by Brad Mann. The sun shines bright on my old Kentucky home. Tis summer, the people are gay. The corn tops ripe and the meadows in the bloom. While the birds make music all the day, the young folks roll on the little cabin floor, all merry, all happy and bright. By and by, hard times come a-knocking at the door. Then my old Kentucky home, good night. Weep no more, my lady. Oh, weep no more today. Sing one song for my old Kentucky home. For my old Kentucky home far away. Next, I believe we have uh, greetings from the uh, Andy Brashear, who is our governor. Hi, everyone. Commonwealth of Kentucky. This is your governor, Andy Brashear, and I am excited I to join you virtually today for the Kentucky Council of the Blinds annual convention. I want to begin by thanking you for making the decision to hold this convention online and for your outlook. Because while a lot of us are discouraged by having to meet virtually, the Kentucky Council of the Blind saw this as an opportunity an opportunity to make this convention and organization more accessible to members throughout the entire state who may have otherwise been unable to attend. That mindset is what is going to help us overcome COVID-19, but also rise above and build a better, more inclusive Kentucky for everyone. You've been advocating for equality and independence for blind and visually impaired Kentuckians since 1965, and you now reach over 300 members across the Commonwealth through eight chapters. Your work has made the difference in the lives of Kentuckians who are blind, visually impaired, or are losing their vision. And you've done it through education technology, healthcare, and accessibility measures in local communities. And that list continues to grow as I know the work you do to support members and help their families, and those extend from newborns to seniors with tailored assistance for each. Thank you to the entire council and to President Debbie Dethridge for your incredible work. You have the support of Team Kentucky, and as we work to make a better Kentucky for all people, you serve as a model. You've been doing that work since day one. Thank you all. Stay safe. Enjoy the convention. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. Now, for our invocation, we're going to have Reverend A. Wildy. Retired pastor, Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, 
and KCB Ford Chapter Representative of Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this day. And Lord, we thank you for blessing this convention. Thank you for the speakers, the exhibitors, and all the participants. And Lord, be with us and be with our nation and let us all remember that we are still one people under God. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to have ACB liftoff, reaching for the stars, Dan Spoon, President, American Council of the Blind from Orlando, Florida. Welcome, Dan. Well, thank you, Debbie. And it's, it's a real honor and pleasure to be here this evening. Uh, shout out to everybody uh, throughout the Kentucky land and bluegrass country. Um, thank you for having me here this evening. And I loved your theme. You know, I was a, a young person who grew up in central Florida and the space coast and, and the journey to space and the frontier was just part of our DNA kind of growing up here in Orlando. I had, you know, many friends. My, my brother-in-law ac actually worked for NASA and worked at the uh, Kennedy Space Center. And uh, I lived with him and my sister for a number of years before Leslie and I got married. So uh, it's, it's a special time, special thoughts when you, when you think of frontiers and space and the future. And, you know, the saying around here used to be, let's do launch. And so, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to do some launch here this evening. And really, one of, the, one of the words that everybody used to use at NASA when things were going good, when all systems were aligned, they'd say, everything is A-OK. -okay. And that's what I want to talk to you all about tonight is ACB, the Kentucky Council of the Blind, and everything is A-OK. -okay. So the A in A-OK -okay stands for ACB. And I just want to share a little with you all of what's been going on this year uh, inside of your organization, the American Council of the Blind. Uh, this has really been an unprecedented year. Uh, who knew uh, just, uh, you know, eight, nine short months ago, what the future was going to hold for us. Uh, I, I wanted to first share just the additions that we've had to our staff. Uh, you had an opportunity today to hear from Tony Stevens, from Clark Rackful, and from Cindy Hollis. I just want to point out for some folks that are not maybe brand new to the organization, but none of those folks were on our staff two years ago. And it's almost impossible right now to think that we could accomplish the work of our organization without the tremendous efforts from those folks. And so the new additions to ACB's staff have brought energy, they've brought vitality, optimism, and really have lived up to our five really core values inside of ACB, which are integrity and honesty, respect, collaboration, flexibility, and initiative. And it was this last year or so we've, where we've established those five core values and our code of conduct, which I think really will help us and keep us in good stead into the future. We've also had some unique opportunities this year, the challenges of COVID-19, 
which left us in kind of a, a you know, a, a, almost a, a frantic period back there in March. But the team really rallied together. You should be so proud of your board of directors that very quickly and decisively decided that the right thing to do for the health and safety of our membership was for the first time in 59 years to not have an in-person convention, but a virtual convention. And the board unanimously voted on that on March 30th. And by June 30th, just three short months later, we were able to have a virtual convention that I think did not set ACB back, but launched, truly launched ACB into the future. It was full of vitality. It was a full of can-do spirit. We had eight days of programming with at least 12 hours a day of continuous live content. We had 250 hours of programming, 108 breakout sessions with over 400 panelists. We had a virtual exhibit hall, and we had an AD tours channel with 10 quality audio description tours from around the country, including things like the White House, Mount Rushmore, Kenny Hawk in North Carolina, the Liberty Bell. It was really just an exciting and fun convention, and it, it taught us something inside of ACB. We were able to reach out, as your governor just said, from across those who normally come and expand the universe of ACB to where we had, well, almost 2,000 people participate in our convention. Uh, we had people who were engaged uh, as, as Cindy said earlier, they were engaged, they embraced it, and they were empowered. We could have not done this work without our wonderful ACB radio team, our convention, uh, our convention committee, and just countless volunteers that put together the video uh, material, the audio material uh, that scheduled the live appearances. It was it was really a labor of love and a tremendous accomplishment for our organization. But we didn't stop there. We also launched, uh, as, as Cindy said earlier, the community events, which started with just a few, couple the first week, 11 the second week. And now, as Cindy just shared with you, we're now having over 300 community events each month in reaching out and touching thousands of members of our blind and visually impaired community. Many people that we did not really even know or have a strong relationship with before. With, with before. So it's just been really an exciting time. Uh, so again, uh, I want to let you know that things are good and well in ACB. And when we get to the questions, I'll be happy to answer any more questions about that. But the A and AOK is for ACB. The O, and the governor talked about this a little bit too. I like this. It's, it's all flowing together well. And that is optimistic opportunity. I, I really feel right now we are in a unique position in the history of our country. Uh, something that only comes along about once in every hundred years, about every century, we have this kind of uh, what I would say in many cases are, are not good things that are happening, but, but 
obstacles to overcome. And so uh, Adam Rushable, the historian, would like this, but uh, walk with me or, or, or dream with me back to 100 years ago and where we were in the early 1900s. Think about the time between 1915 and 1945. What did our country go through? We went through two world wars uh, that nobody had ever experienced anything that cataclysmic before, but we didn't have just World War I from 1914 to 1918. We had World War II, which the United States participated in from 1941 to 1945. We had the plague, the Spanish plague in 1918 and 1919 that cost our country over 650,000 of its citizens. And then we had the Great Depression through almost the entire decade of the 1930s where 25% of our fellow citizens were out of work. They were in despair, they were in bread lines. And so you would think, oh my gosh, in that time of, of strife and struggle inside of our country, who could have thought that there would be advancements for the blind and visually impaired community, the community that tends to be on the outside of normal community living, especially 100 years ago. But what happened during those 30 years? We saw the foundation, formation of Lions uh, as a civic organization. And after a conversation with Helen Keller, they took on the mantle of being the Knights of the Blind. So a civic group that had blindness in their service mantra. In 1920, the American Foundation for the Blind was formed. Right there, after the war and the plague, AFB came along. And then fairly soon after that, in 1927, maybe an offshoot of World War I, but the first guide dog school for the blind was formed in 1927, Seeing Eye in Nashville, Tennessee, that later moved uh, to, to New Jersey. And then the National Library Service came along, offering Braille to the blind community, offering literature and books. And after that, working with AFB, recordings for the blind were created. The Randolph Shepard Vendor Act was put in place, a joint effort you know, with Republicans and Democrats and our Congress came together to form the Randolph Shepard Vendor Act, I believe in 1933, that provided uh, jobs and employment for blind and visually impaired people. That was followed up by the uh, Wagner O'Day Act, the Jarvis Wagner O'Day Act, which formed the abilities program and the national uh, industries for the blind in 1938. In addition to that, Social Security came along in 1933 and through advocacy efforts, Title 10 of Social Security provided for Social Security disability insurance. So for the first time, our society realized that there was a role to play for the larger community when it came to people with disabilities. And then we had the amazing advancements in rehabilitation. 
what FDR put in place expanding on the Rehabilitation Services Act actually uh, created rehab services for the blind and visually impaired. And from 1941 to 1945, through the Rehab uh, Administration, working with the National Industries for the Blind, blind and visually impaired people created $32 million worth of military products to help our servicemen during the war. What an accomplishment for a group they didn't think could do anything just a few decades earlier. And in 1945, excuse me, 19, um, well, uh, somebody will correct me if I don't get the dates right, but right in there in the early 1940s, the National Federation of the Blind was formed, the first consumer group, I believe it was 1945, which was then followed by the Blinded Veterans Administration. And uh, you know, obviously, later from that, uh, in 1961, the ACB broke off from the NFB and ACB was formed. But look at what happened between 1915 and 1945, at a time when our country was going through amazing, amazing struggles, lots of conflict, lots of depression. Look at the changes that were able to be made because at that point in time in society when things are not going so good is when people are much more open to change. I think we are living through one of those times right now. This is our moment in the 21st century with the COVID-19 crisis, with what we're seeing with the polarization of our political parties, with what we're seeing through the works towards, um, towards social justice. Right now, everybody's mind is open. They're exploring new possibilities. I'll share one example with you. I had a letter and a conversation with David Rubin from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the group that sponsors the Oscars every year. And in past years, we have not gotten really in any conversation going with that organization. But in these times, wanting to make sure that we have diversity and inclusion, I wrote to David Rubin asking him uh, on behalf of the American Council of the Blind if he would consider requiring that all Best Picture nominated movies be audio described. The winner this year... Parasite was not audio described, at least in the U.S. He wrote me back uh, a very nice letter saying he was very interested in the idea. Let's have further conversations. And his plans right now were for the Oscars in 2022 to require that. And oh, by the way, let's also consider maybe creating an Oscar for the best audio description. And so he put that request over to his science and technology committee. A very nice letter, and we're continuing to correspond back and forth. Uh, look at what happened with accessible voting. Uh, Clark, I'm sure, I know, talked to you about that earlier today. Because of COVID-19, we were able to get almost 20 states to have some form of accessible absentee balloting put on place for this year's election. Again, meeting that opportunity where there's, when there's a chance for change. So optimistic opportunity. I really believe 
we are on the frontier of some tremendous breakthroughs for the American Council of the Blind, Kentucky Council of the Blind, and all of our affiliates. The K in OK, all right, what do you think? Kentucky, all right? You got to think Kentucky when you think K, the big K, the big blue, the red if you're a Cardinals fan, right, guys? So Kentucky, I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you to the Kentucky Council of the Blind. I'm amazed every year at how much work this affiliate does, not only at the state and local level, but also at the national level. Special thanks to the E-Racers and their wonderful contributions to our ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk Team. Uh, they all, you all always put out a really good effort. And I think this year, once again, you guys finished in the top five uh, for fundraising for your walk team. So thank you, thank you, congratulations. I saw many Kentuckians who uh, raised their contributions as part of the monthly monetary support program. So again, Thank you so much for all your work and help in that particular arena. Uh, I got to give a special shout out, shout out to Amanda and Matt and Natalie and Joey, my peeps from the Crossroads Conference a few years ago. Congratulations on great work forming the Next Generation Affiliate. That, that was an idea that got its roots in Kentucky, and look how that has grown. Also, a special shout out to Patty Cox, who's the new president of Council of Citizens with Low Vision. And then, of course, Adam and Carla, we can't forget them and all their work with ACB families, with ACB Lions, with Lua. Uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do uh, for the American Council of the Blind. And then the A in OK is for Alliance, Allies, and advocates. And I really think this is important right now in the time that we live in. Uh, we can do a lot by ourselves, but we can do so much more together. And I, this really came home to me this year. I had an opportunity as the president uh, of ACB to really participate this year in the scholarship program and to work out the arrangements where with a real ally of ours, AFB, the National American Federation, American Foundation of the Blind, easy for me to say, American Foundation of the Blind and ACB went together to kind of combine our scholarship money this year. Uh, AFB was willing to give us uh, $27,000 as long as we were willing to uh, support their scholarship program, which really uh, rolled and tailored right in very well to the existing ACB scholarship program, except for one music award, which we added. So we were able to offer this year 21 scholarships that totaled $92,000. Now that's impressive. Gang. I mean, we were able to offer scholarships that totaled $4,500. They range from about $2,500 up to $7,500. And I had the opportunity to participate in a reception and a, and a really a social conversation with our scholarship winners this year. And just during the general conversation, I kind of threw out the question, 
what have you all had to advocate for as students going to school? And I thought I might get a little bit of a conversation here or there. It was amazing to me to hear the individual advocacy stories that each student had to go through along their educational journey. So for all of us, it really pointed out to me that there's national advocacy, as Clark spoke about, related to government and partners, partnerships with our major corporations and products where we were working tirelessly for accessibility. There's also many advocacy efforts on the state and local effort, local area. But what there really is, is a tremendous opportunity at the individual level to advocate to make things better for yourself and for those that come after you. And so the Alliance of Allies really pulled us together to be able to offer these wonderful scholarships. And the students really pointed out to me whether it's advocating for a st statistics class with a program that's not accessible, to being able to easily maneuver around their college campus, uh, to uh, really dealing with accessibility for different types of study aids for, for bar exams and this type of things that there's, there's always that next level of advocacy that's required. And if you can find a good ally to help you, you'll be that much more successful. We can advocate and we can change laws but what really changes society is when we can change our individual community members' thoughts of us. And you, you can do that each and every day. So I wanna close by the, with the why in A-OK, -okay, and that's a why for each of you. It truly is each of you that can make a difference. I want you to look and think of, uh, and remember all those folks around you the last time that we met at Crossroads and last time you had a KCB convention. And think of the people that were there maybe five or 10 years ago that aren't there now and the new people that have come. And when you think about those faces and those voices and those folks, think about what we could do if we had five times as many people as he have right now? What if we have had five Amanda and Matt Selms? What if we had five Carla Rushables or Adam Rushables or five Patty Coxes or five Debbie Detridges? What would that mean to us? What could we get accomplished? So my challenge to each of you is have a wonderful convention. Be proud of all that you can do and have done, but don't rest. There's too much out there that needs to be done. We need to grow, we need to build. Our ultimate goal is for the American Council of the Blind and its affiliates to be the chief influencer in the blind and visually impaired community. With all of us working together, we can do that. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful convention. Well, I do have Thank to give you. a quick shout out to Deb Cook-Lewis. I, I just want to thank our ACB radio team and uh, 
Deb and and Rick Morin and all the folks that have uh, really stepped up as volunteers to provide the Zoom platform services for us for our affiliate conventions. Uh, they are just so professional and do just such an outstanding job. And because they're working so well and doing such a good job, we're going to just keep them going with a virtual leadership conference and another virtual convention next year. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. Dan. Hiya, Carla. Hello. Now, when, when I said five Carlas, Patty called me and said, I don't know if I want five Carlas. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going, oh, dear. <laughs> Maybe 10. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> well, as, as usual, Dan, I think you hit it out of the ballpark with that speech. Um, you, it, you just always have such good examples and, and, and say things that, that really, I think, touch all of us. So we really appreciate the speech. Well, there's several people here that that have not been here, uh, were not here when you came to Crossroads a couple of years ago. Could you just share a little bit of how you wound up in ACB? Uh, I, I think that would be an interesting story that the people might be interested in hearing. <laughs> Well, I'll say you can go back and listen to the Washington State uh, Conference and Convention because I, I told my story there. So <laughs> I will tell you it's a little long, though. So you may <laughs> you may want to take some, uh, you know, uh, take some no dos before you listen. But well, sure. Carl, I'll give you the abbreviated version. <laughs> OK. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. I'm not your your traditional, uh, well, I don't even know if there is a traditional member of the American Council. I, maybe my vision of what a traditional member of American Council of the Blind is. But, uh, you know, I, I have retinitis pigmentosis. So my journey to blindness has been one of, you know, through my entire lifetime of where, you know, I started with very, very usable vision, you know, into into my elementary school and middle school years. And then you know, started losing my vision and, and, and then having to adjust and then transition and adjust again. And so from that standpoint, uh, you know, I really got involved kind of from a backhanded way with the American Council of the Blind and that I was um, working. I had gone through a, a program called High Tech Training for the Disabled at our community college here in Orlando and got an unpaid internship to uh, to Westinghouse Electric. But before that, I kind of had this unique career dealing with low vision that I worked while I was going to college uh, at Walt Disney World as a character, which was always kind of a funny job for a guy with low vision and, and light, you know, just really had a lot of trouble with, with sunlight. You know, my job with, with dark sunglasses on wrapped around underneath a 50-pound bear suit uh, and trying to do autographs and shake hands and dance and all that stuff. But boy, that was a lot of fun. And what it really taught me, what was interesting there was when you had your, your costume on, no one knew you were visually impaired. And that was very interesting to see how people treated you a little bit differently when you were, were in person and walking down the hallway with a, 
you know, with a cane or dark sunglasses on compared to how they they felt about you when you were in a costume. And, and, you know, you, you, so that was, there was some really interesting perspectives from that. But uh, after my time at Disney, I then went and got my college degree. Nobody would give me a job at that point in time. Uh, as I shared with the Washington state group, it was 1981 uh, they didn't even have the CPA exam in large print or large, uh, you know, or, or any extra time. Or no, no accessibility or um, standards were in place for certified tests for the CPA by the state of Florida at that point in time. And really the big eight accounting firms, nobody, one company gave me a second interview, which was Pricewaterhouse. And they called me back and I'll never forget this. The partner said, Dan, I've really tried but you have to realize it was just two years ago we hired our first woman and we're just not really ready to hire a blind person yet. So I think you could do the job, but there's just no way uh, our partners are going to go for it right now, which nobody would be allowed to say now, right? This was 40 years ago. So at that point in time, I went and opened up a pizza place, uh, something I could do myself as an entrepreneur. Learned a lot, uh, learned how to have good relationships within a community, learned how to work with employees, do budgets, do marketing, you know, go through the the day-to-day operations of making and cooking food and and creating customers. And so learned learned a lot there. And then as my vision got worse, I I went through this program at Valencia Community College called High Tech Training for the Disabled and got an unpaid three-month internship at Westinghouse Electric after I went to this program, 40 hours a week for nine months with no pay. I had to pay and borrow money to get into the program. But what I got out of it was an opportunity. I got a Fortune 50 company that would hire me uh, on probation to see if I could do the job as a computer programmer. So I was the only blind and visually impaired person out of 4,000 people on our campus, as far as I knew, the only disabled person. And so there were a lot of challenges there early, early on in my career. Uh, but you, you build relationships, you show people what you can do. And I was really, really fortunate to have some great mentors and some people who were really allies, as we spoke about earlier, who took me under their wing and helped me And then I tried to work really hard to advocate for myself. And then over a 25 year career, I ended up, you know, going through multiple promotions, Uh, was fortunate enough to be a second level manager when I left Siemens who bought uh, uh, Westinghouse in 98. And I I was on in that job through 2014. So it was really a a very, very, very good experience. Um, And I felt just extremely lucky, you know, so Went from not needing a magnifying glass to, you know, using JAWS on my computer, you know, cane to navigate wherever I went inside the building uh, by the end of my career. So, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good stay. And then, and then from an ACB standpoint, I really wasn't involved in the Council of the Blind. I got involved because of my position in business. I was asked to be on the State Rehabilitation uh, Council. I joined that. And the woman who was president of the Florida Council of the Blind, and I think she was also president of Council of Citizens with Low Vision, Teresa Blessings, Terry, she was on the, the rehab council with me. And 
and asked if uh, I knew computers a little bit, and I said I did. And she said, well, would you help us do a little bit with membership? And I said, I'd be happy to. Uh, and so uh, she said their membership person had, had passed away with the Florida Council of the Blind, and would I help? And I said I would. And then she called me two weeks later, and she said, Dan, we had our annual conf- uh, you know, FCB conference and convention, and I want to just let you know you've been, so you are now an officer in FCB. You are our membership secretary. And I'm going to send you the database because Charlie has passed away and we've got to get our 1500 members in the system and, and, and all, all compiled together and sent to Sharon Lovering within the next uh, two months. I didn't even know who Sharon Lovering was at that point in time. So that was kind of my entry into Florida Council of the Blind and the Council of the Blind and uh, really did not get involved to the, in the national level. I always say I didn't go to a national conference. A national conference came to me. So in 2009, the ACB convention was in Orlando, Florida. And Leslie and I went out there and really enjoyed our experience, met all kinds of wonderful people. Twelve years later, here we are. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.